Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Here we are, chasing through the final days of May and starting to feel like perhaps we're coming, uh, depending on where you are in this country, coming out of the tunnel, as it were. But did we make some significant missteps that we didn't need to make? And I was just thinking the other day about SARS. 2003, SARS was the pandemic, and it uh, it had an effect on this country, a significant effect. Um, and there were lessons that were learned. So... Did we take advantage of those lessons? Did we maximize what we, in fact, learned? And could we have progressed far more quickly through this uh, COVID pandemic had we taken advantage of what we learned in 2003 and beyond? Dr. Ronald St. John, 35 years in public health in Canada, joins us, Public Health Agency of Canada, and the CDC, the Centers for Disease Control in the United States, former World Health Organization Director for the Americas, also the first director of the Center for Emergency Preparedness and Response at the Public Health Agency of Canada, founder of the Global Public Health Intelligence Network, also known as GFIN, and he was the national manager for Canada's response to SARS. Dr. St. John, good to have you back in the program. How are you, sir? Thank you. I'm fine. Thank you. How are you? I'm well, thank you. So I just got to thinking about SARS and what we learned and what we could have put in place or maybe what we should have put in place. And I thought of you, and uh, and here we are. Were there lessons learned? Were there plans made that would have served us post-SARS, would have served us as soon as we knew we were in a pandemic with COVID? Uh, yeah, we... Well, let me start by saying it's a little bit difficult to to generalize some of the lessons from SARS 2003 to now, uh, in part because SARS 2003 was a very localized area, mostly Toronto and Vancouver, and um, and it was unique in a way because it was less transmissible, and it was focused uh, it was especially in hospitals. Hospitals became the hot spot for the transmission of uh, of SARS in 2003. Uh, now, it was not a national uh, epidemic such as we have today, so that, it makes it a little difficult. Still, there were some lessons learned that, that we could have reflected on at the present time. And uh, let me start with one of the big big ones, which is communication with the public. Uh, communication of what science can tell us and communication with what's going on at the time. And to illustrate, in Toronto, uh, during the height of the SARS, there were three different spokespersons for SARS, and they were basically saying slightly different, somewhat different things. At one point, one of them said the epidemic was over, and it wasn't, um, and that led to confusion uh, in the population. And we've had some of that uh, uh, here with, uh, with SARS-2021. Uh, uh, communicating mixed messages to the public uh, is, is a great way to lose the trust of the public in the science and in the and in following the measures you'd like them to do. Yeah, and, and I think a lot of that that has in fact taken place. Now, you said something to me some time ago, which I I've, I've I wrote down, and I I'm going to it's a keeper for me. Uh, when it comes to emergency work, uh, and I'll apply it here, you said to me, lessons learned aren't learned until they're implemented. 
Yes. Um, so there are uh, a lot. There was a. <laughs> I like to call it a, a post-SARS 2003 epidemic of national commissions of inquiry. <laughs> there were multiple um, commissions that were struck to take a look at the response to SARS 2003, and they came up with recommendations. Some of them, like the establishment of the Public Health Agency of Canada, were actually implemented, but some fell by the wayside. The... Uh Different levels of government have different responsibilities, we find out, on a regular basis. But that doesn't stop governments from clashing with one another over the same issue or trying to, or hinting that, hey, we would do a better job than you if we were in charge of what you're in charge of because look at how well we're doing. And then the other level of government turns around and takes a run at uh, the first level of government. And again, it does nothing to, uh, to cement any sense of public confidence. At the federal level, at the federal level, and then I'll ask you about the provincial level. But at the federal level, was there deterioration of systems that were put in place when you were active, very active, with Public Health Agency of Canada uh, and, uh, and, and were the national manager for the response to SARS and founded the Global Public Health Intelligence Network? Yes, I believe that to be the case. There were a couple of things. Uh, following SARS, we realized that we needed to have um, a, a really a national a national framework for how we would respond to um, a large scale epidemic that went beyond just one city or two cities. Uh, and we we sat down with the national uh, with the provinces and territories to develop a national uh, health, uh, response uh, framework. Um, at that time, they, there were two kinds of emergency responses in the province. Uh, one had to do with natural uh, disasters, uh, the flooding in the spring and the forest fires and so forth. These were emergency directors that did, didn't do anything with health. And then on the other side, there were some health uh, emergency responders who didn't do anything with respect to the health aspects of natural hazards. And it was clear that we had to bring these together under a single framework. And we, so we set up this framework for uh, the emergency response, preparedness and response for uh, health and, uh, and natural disasters. And we established an annual conference where uh, we would all bring all the different groups together uh, and go over plans and projects and uh, problem areas and so forth. For example, uh, one of the sticky points was that each province and territories had different data systems uh, and that were not compatible. So you, it was very difficult to get uh, consolidated data across the country when each province had a different, uh, uh, a different um, uh, system for data recording. Um, there were things discussed such as uh, movement of medical personnel across provincial borders because medical personnel are licensed by province, not by the federal government. And uh, during SARS 2003, uh, when uh, a lot of healthcare workers in the hospitals in Toronto were actually affected and sick and couldn't work, uh, we, we had great difficulty. We couldn't bring uh, medical personnel from other provinces. Um, and some of the lessons learned there were some provinces uh, passed legislation, 
so that they could do an emergency licensing of people from one one province to another. Um, but I, there's there's still an issue when you try to say uh, I need I need 50 doctors more in province X, and the province next to you says, well, I'm I'm tied up in my own epidemic. Uh, I'm I can't really spare my people, and so where do they come from? So we do have hospital surge problems that we had in 2003, we still face some of these problems uh, today. 18 years later. Yes. Would we potentially, maybe I can remove potentially, would we be in better shape than we are today? Would we have progressed through this situation, through this pandemic, more efficiently, more effectively, if if only uh, emotionally, and uh, I may want to remove emotionally, would would we have progressed better, more equitably, more uh, intelligently, had we used all the information we had, all the information that was compiled, all the systems that were put uh, put in place are ready to be exercised, uh, had we done that in, t- in 2020, and I understand from the studio crew, thank you guys, the World Health Organization announced the pandemic on the 11th of March of last year. Yes. Had we done what we knew we could do, had we enacted the plans that had been put in place, would we even be in a better place now? Dr. St. John? Well, it's, it's, it's always fun to do a little hindsight. <laughs> um, but we had the options, right? We, I mean, we had the options. It was there waiting for us. It had been studied and yeah. written out and discussed yeah. and debated and, de- and decided on. Yeah, I think so, because, um, you know, the, it's, it's kind of a, uh, a, a thing that repeats itself over and over again. When there is an emergency situation, Governments are really quick to react and find funding and, and implement stuff to do. When there is no emergency, uh, or between the emergencies, we, we call that the preparedness time. And that's when you should, should uh, train people and make plans and uh, do simulations so you test your plans. And uh, what happens is, is governments tend to shy away from investment when nothing is happening. But really, something should be happening. Should be preparedness. Yeah. And uh, so the, the budgets uh, t- tend to be shifted to other priorities when nothing's happened. And as a result, for example, the budget for GFN uh, was deteriorating. The, the the budget for well, there were very few simulations conducted at the federal level. I, I can't speak to any simulations at the provincial level, but it's very difficult to convince. Uh, budget managers, that you have to invest money in in preparing people uh, for for how for and training them on on how to react when there is a, uh, a tense situation and a crisis. Uh, there's no substitute for preparedness. You get a much more efficient response when you do preparedness, and you got you have to do it across jurisdictions, so that one jurisdiction can work and function effectively with the next jurisdiction. Yeah. So I think there's been uh, there's a big lack of uh, a follow-up with that kind of uh, effort. We seem to be really skilled at that in this country, um, to uh, to not work as cooperatively as we could and as we should. Just look at the inter- interprovincial trade barriers that we managed to throw up against one another. It's <laughs> it's easier to deal with a country that's 3,000 miles away than, than it is with a province that's two inches away from you. Well, by... By constitution, health is a provincial uh, matter. Uh, right, I meant just in general terms. Uh, yeah, I mean, and the federal government has limited authority. Yeah. Uh, it has authority over the borders, 
but and has authority with the Quarantine Act, but has uh, very little uh, authority in the provinces, which means that there has to be federal leadership uh, in the absence of legislation to get uh, all the provinces and territories to work together. And uh, that means having having mechanisms where, for example, we had established a council for the deputy ministers of the provinces. We used to have annual meetings. I don't know if that still goes on. And we brought emergency planning and preparedness issues to that deputy minister's council for uh, for some uh, resolution. Um, so you have to work across jurisdictions and, and plan your simulations across jurisdictions. And perhaps one of the things we need to look at uh, here in Canada now is uh, kind of a health equivalent of the Emergencies Act so that the, there can be clear federal leadership across across the country because it becomes, like, like SARS-2021, becomes an issue all the way across the country. Right. So we heard the Premier of Ontario, um, Dr. St. John, we talked about the federal government's involvement with the, uh, with, with, with the pandemic. What about the provinces? Have the provinces done uh, their job? Have they been as effective as they might have been? Has the cooperation between the provinces and the federal government been what it should be? Well, to, to me, it's ironic that, that right now, uh, after three waves of, um, of uh, COVID in Ontario, uh, the case is coming down dramatically. Uh, we're on the right track. And right next door in Manitoba, the cases are skyrocketing. Uh, I mean, the same control measures in Ontario and other provinces and all across the country, the public health measures of mask wearing, distancing, and so forth, when applied uh, vigorously, stop the virus. Uh, and, of course, vaccination is going to be an added tool that, that really is going to put the, put the cap on the virus. But the fact that one province says, oh, well, let's, we don't need to do this, we don't need to do that, and then they pay a price with the, with the cases going up, while the other province is saying, oh, we're going to go into lockdown. The, 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 the discoordination, you know, the lack of coordination across the country is, is, is a little bit uh, disconcerting for sure. Yeah, it's, it's disturbing because... Uh, someone said earlier on the program, and and I agree with the with the position. There should be a, a national strategy as far as what we do is concerned. It's whether it's reopening or should have been a national strategy that we all understood and we all sort of heading in the same direction, as opposed to you go this way, you go this. You men, what was that old line? You men follow him, you men follow him, and you the rest of you men follow me. It was just like an old it's a line from an old western movie, but. It, it just seemed that way. It seemed like there was very little in the way of, of cohesive thinking going on, in my view. Yeah, uh, yeah, I certainly agree. Um, it's it's unfortunate, uh, really, that, that we don't have a, a way of. Uh, well, let me say this: one of the one of the problems with, uh, with uh, across the country is that when when the the political level decides to impose certain restrictions because the cases have reached a certain level. Uh, they say, we're going to put these, pr- these procedures in place until May 21st or May 30th or June 2nd or whatever the date is. Right. And the public is left wondering, well, then what happens? Exactly. Uh, did, did you tell the virus? What would be ideal, and I have, is, is to have across the country a common goal, saying you put these measures in place 
until your the new number of cases the new the number of new cases of COVID per day right. is X. Yeah. A hundred cases or two hundred cases. If you want to hear more, subscribe to the Roy Green Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorites. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review and tell a friend. I'm Roy Green. Have a great weekend.